Welcome, and thanks for listening to AGI SureTrack Coffee Talk. Today's episode is an ecosystem approach to soil health monitoring. Here's your host, Laura Hankey. All right. Thanks, Brian. Hey, happy Friday, everyone. Thanks for joining us again here this morning. Jake, thanks for joining us. Good morning. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we are so excited this morning um, to talk about some of the regenerative practices that are gaining a lot of popularity and adoption across the ag industry. So to get us started, just like we do every week, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became involved in regenerative agriculture. So I um, didn't grow up on a farm, actually. I grew up kind of an outdoorsy kid, and, and I think that's been, always been a little bit of an inspiration for me as far as uh, regenerative ag goes, kind of working with nature and observing nature, listening to nature, those kind of things. Um, Here in South Central Kansas, kind of in the Wichita area, have a small, very small regenerative operation of my own couple mama cows. Um, I would say the operation revolves around the cows, but it actually truly revolves around the soil. Um, I'm, I'm not always, the best manager in the world, but I, I try and put the soil before anything else. And yeah, that's a little, little bit of a snapshot. Yeah. Well, you have an agronomy background, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So did you start out in regenerative agriculture or did you take a more conventional route when you got out of college? Very conventional, very conventional. Um, I interned with another consultant in the area who's also Uh, caught the same bug that I did and Mm -hmm. him and I were an awesome match to work together. Um, Very progressive. We're both very competitive. And at the time corn was worth seven bucks, bushel beans were $14 and it was yield, yield, yield. And, and you can build a lot of yield with chemistry. Um, But after a while, and it, to this day, it still seems the more we spray, the more we have to spray, the more we fertilize, the more we have to fertilize. And uh, something was just kind of eating at me. I knew something wasn't right. And him and I both went down to Kent Watkins place down in Oklahoma for a soil health academy. And that kind of set us both on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I told Ray Archuleta after that meeting, said, Ray, this is what we've been looking for, man. I was super excited. He gave me a big old hug and Ray fashion and here we sit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and Ray Archuleta, so the, the understanding soil or understanding agriculture and the soil health academies, that is Gabe Brown, Ray Archuleta, Shane knew that group, correct? With the yes, understanding ag. Okay. Um, and so today, the reason that we're talking is because you've started an agronomic consultation company. And so you're actually helping folks get started with regenerative agriculture in your area. Is it just your area or are you working beyond that? Mostly my area. Um, I've, I've visited with a few folks outside of the area, but not to the extent of truly doing business together, mm-hmm. but uh, kind of focusing in the central Kansas corridor. Um, there's a lot of interest in it and, and there's a lot of evangelization to be done. It's just a matter of support and right getting in touch with people. Well, we'll talk, definitely talk about that interest here in a second, but what was it about that Understanding Ag Academy, that Soil Health Day, what inspired you 
to branch off into regenerative. You said that this was a solution that you've been looking for. What was that solution, Jake? Just simply put, working with nature. I mean, I hated being the guy to drop off reports and I'm telling folks to spend more money. I'm telling folks to spend more time away from their families, whether it be irrigation, putting fertilizer on, putting herbicide on. And on the same token, I'm causing harm to the environment that I care about. And, you know, I'm an outdoorsy guy. I harvest a fair amount of what I eat and that's uh, affecting the whole ecosystem. And right. Couldn't sleep at night. Mm-hmm. And when, when understanding Ag had those solutions laid out in front of me, it, it kind of touched my heart a little bit. Yeah. So today is your focus solely regenerative agronomy? Primarily, yes. Um, I do have some conventional folks, um, but the gears are turning, if you will. Right. And uh, I mean, people are all across the spectrum as far as where they're at on their journey. Um, Regenerative agronomy is the main focus. It's also uh, finding and helping facilitate markets for things that are grown in this fashion, um, connecting people, uh, helping rebuild rural America, if if you want to get real philosophical about it. But. Right. You know, we've had a few regenerative agriculture conversations here on Coffee Talk. And, you know, primarily that's because I'm really passionate about it. And the reason that I'm so passionate about it is because it's not an all or nothing approach. You know, you can still incorporate some spray. It's it's not a it's not a label. It's it's not a set of prescriptive methods. It's principles that you follow. And and for me, that's what that's what's worked. Um, so yep. why don't you help our audience out a little bit and, and explain what regenerative agriculture is and, and what the agronomy side of that looks like, Jake? So there are five principles uh, of regenerative, well, truly six, but uh, keeping the ground covered, soil armor, uh, living root in the ground at all times, integrating livestock, minimizing disturbance, um, I always let one slip. Have to forgive me. Livestock. Uh, <laughs> yep. And, and the one that uh, last but certainly not least is context. Understanding the context of your situation, like like we've talked about, where you're at on your journey, and uh, if something didn't work, why didn't it work, or in what ways did it work that we don't realize. Um, and the agronomy side, it, it's just a matter of finding where in your operation to implement these principles without breaking the bank in the short term and helping build a more sustainable model going forward. You know, that last piece, the context, that's what resonated for me when Ray Archuleta said, you know, don't ask me for a set of of instructions that you can follow because Every farm is different, every operator is different, and you have to figure it out for yourself. And so it it takes that engagement. You really have to figure it out for yourself, what's going to work for your operation and what you wanna do with the crops that you grow. You know, it's not a monoculture, it's a polyculture that they're promoting. So, you know, talking about those principles and helping folks get started 
from your business perspective, what are you looking for when you scout a field and you're helping people make that transition initially? Well, just on a typical field visit, um, I do do some not conventionally minded, but conventional crop consultation and typical field visit, just looking for uh, plant health, uh, fertility, what weeds, those kind of things. But it's almost as much listening as it is looking because Mother Nature is going to tell you what she's wanting. Um, whether it be in weed indicator species or um, water infiltration is how is that soil functioning with the water infiltration, gas exchange, all those things. Um, looking for, like I'll get my penetrometer out and see whether or not we have a compaction issue or mm -hmm. uh, moisture issue. Oftentimes those are two in the same. Um, just, just an overall looking and listening and observing what's going on out in the field, mm -hmm. everything from weeds to insects to wildlife. Right. And so, you know, I said, we'd get back to the interest piece of this. Are most of your customers or all of your customers, are they implementing regenerative to some degree before they come to you or are you helping from the bottom up? Bottom up, mm -hmm. bottom up. I, I will say in this second go around of, of my consultation business, I am focusing a little bit more on folks that at the very least have an interest in it. But uh, if somebody calls me and they're, they've got a, a wheat on wheat plow during the summer operation and, and they want to explore regen, I'm absolutely going to help them out. Right. Yeah. So walk us through what that transition looks like. You know, are you converting 100% of those acres all at once? Are you gradually shifting? What does that look like, Jake? That depends a lot on each individual grower. I mean, if they're renting ground, if they own ground, um, Personality wise, some people like to dip their toes in. Some people go 100 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, generally speaking, I would say it's a gradual transition. Um, but but again, it, it depends on a number of things. Right. And so is there a certain uh, production model that you're seeing most of these folks come from? Are, are you seeing more conventional farmers, more organic farmers? Um, what does that look like? I'm seeing largely conventional folks. Um, primarily conventional folks that are, they've heard about or seen the benefits of region and they just don't know where to start or uh, so many folks just need a little bit of support or somebody in their pocket, they can call up and say, Hey, I don't know if it's going to work. And, it's going to be okay. If it doesn't work, we've got X, Y, Z to recoup in the future. Yeah. So you're the, you're the support system as well. <laughs> you're the one on the other end of the phone. I try to be where I can. There you go. So let's talk about cover crops a little bit. You know, I've heard uh, cover crops jokingly referred to as the gateway to regenerative agriculture. So talk about, is that where you're 
seeing a lot of the interest come from initially is folks reaching out and wanting to know more about cover crops? Yes. Okay. Yes. And so I know that you've been experimenting with a lot of different species, a lot of different mixes. Talk a little bit about that, Jake. Is is this a, you know, a one species uh, application that you're helping folks with, or are you helping them to incorporate several different mixes in their cocktail? Again, it depends on the personality and, and their interest level um, and their rent versus own situation i typically try and push for at least three species mm -hmm. in a blend uh, but rye ahead of soybeans that's that's a pretty simple and easy one to get started most folks have heard of that and don't have quite as much uh, hesitation to give that a try though i am trying to make it a point to be more encouraging to at least throw some vetch and turnips or radishes or something in there. Right. And why are you pushing for that three species minimum? Biodiversity, uh, above ground and below ground. Um, and also nutrient cycling is a big reason for that. Uh, for folks that are rolling their cover crops, ease of termination, because um, that vetch kind of intertwines the rye really nicely and makes a beautiful carpet when you lay it down. Um, the vetch is good for pollinators. Our brassicas have all kinds of soil health benefits. So, some include uh, nematode suppression. When used appropriately, you can go overboard with brassicas pretty easily. And the grasses, uh, the brassicas always get, like your radishes and turnips, get a lot of the credit for helping with water infiltration. But um, Mr. Gabe Brown has said many times, it's those little bitty pinholes that the grasses are putting in whatever compaction layer you have. They don't get nearly the praise they deserve. So just diversity is putting more tools in your tool pouch. And, right. Yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of folks tune in from week to week, uh, Jake, from around the world. Talk a little bit about what rolling is. Um, I heard you mention guys that are rolling. Um, what is that and how does that impact regenerative agriculture? So using a roller crimper to terminate their cover crops is something that's gained popularity really quickly uh, in my part of the world and, and across the the country and the world, I'm sure. Um, it cuts down on a herbicide pass. You do have to do it at a particular time. Like if, if you're just rolling straight rye, you need to do that when it's flowering. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it cuts down on a herbicide pass. Um, but it gets that residue on the ground to where it can start cycling nutrients more quickly. It, it does a better job of insulating that soil from sunshine, um, from moisture, evaporation, all those kind of things as well. Right. And so when you roll a crop, you're planting directly into that cover on the ground, correct? Yes, ma'am. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's talk about cash crop because that's, that's the name of the game, right? We have to have something to sell at the end of the year. How does a cash crop rotation influence the cover crop mix that you recommend to these guys? Oh, a number of different ways. Um, really need to be 
conscientious of your carbon to nitrogen ratio of your residue and of also in your soil. And that's going to play a big role in how long that residue is going to stick around, how long you could potentially have that, have those nutrients immobilized in that detritosphere, that residue layer. Mm -hmm. um, and it just depends on what your goals are. If you want it to break down more quickly, you, you get uh, a, a lower carbon to nitrogen ratio blend of say oats and vetch or peas or something like that. Uh, and that that's something I've kind of been experimenting with ahead of corn. If you're looking for weed suppression, you're going to go with a little bit grassier, higher carbon type blend. Like, like say rye ahead of soybeans is very popular. It's worked very well for a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that carbon and to nitrogen of course, if ratio. They're integrating life. Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. If they're integrating livestock. Uh, that, that plays a role in what we're selecting as well, as far as how long they're wanting to graze it, uh, what kind of animals you have out there, and so on. But carbon to nitrogen ratio. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so carbon to nitrogen ratio, you know, that's been something that has been talked about for, I don't know, the last decade or so, and it's really gained a lot of popularity since regenerative agriculture has started to gain some popularity. Talk a little bit about that carbon to nitrogen uh, ratio, Jake, and why that matters for soil health. So, like I say, it, it matters quite a bit as far as what your goals are. Um, the nutrient cycling, the weed, uh, how long you want that residue to stick around. Th those are those are the big ones as far as the carbon and nitrogen ratio and feeding the biology in the soil as well. I believe right. the, the ratio you want is, is a 24 to one. Uh, now, for, forgive me, what was the first part of your question there? Yeah, so I just I was just curious about why that carbon to nitrogen ratio was so important. And, you know, you certainly answered that. Yeah. So, you know, the conversation that we've been having here this morning is around regenerative agriculture, but really what it's around is soil health. That's what everything is going back to is soil health. So, you know, talk a little bit about what you're seeing soil health wise um, as far as improvement from a lot of these folks who are implementing some regenerative agriculture practices. Where to start? Um, <laughs> well, we had had a microburst come through here uh, about a month ago, and the amount of erosion from such hard pounding rains was unbelievable, even in relatively flat country. Uh, and now in those spots, our residual herbicide is breaking and it's in spots where that soil was washed away. I mean, those pigweeds, crabgrass are very opportunistic critters. Um, I had one client that's been doing pretty strict regen, uh, kind of went full bore for about four years now. And he sowed his cover crop two and a half weeks ago on a Tuesday. The neighboring field was planting double crop beans. Both fields were sitting fallow at the time. Um, the neighboring field was planting double crop beans and they couldn't finish planting until the following Tuesday. Uh, so keep water infiltration is, is a huge benefit. 
um, field accessibility. I mean, that's seven days of being able to be in the field. Right. Right there at one, one point in the season. Um, I'm seeing fields where we're raising 100 to 120 bushel dryland corn on 40 to 50 units of nitrogen by using the Haney test. I mean, that's cutting their fertility in half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what is the Haney test for anyone who may be listening who isn't familiar with it? So the Haney test is a very good management tool. It, it gives you a soil health score. It tells you a little bit about your microbial life in the soil and it gives you the, the easiest part to put into practice right off the bat is nutrient management because it gives you an idea of what kind of organic nutrients are in the soil that you should expect to cycle out over the course of a growing season as opposed to just uh, say nitrate in the soil. I've once found a, a native prairie that never been broke out before and I ran a conventional soil test and a Haney test on it. The conventional soil test showed one and a half units of nitrogen out in the field and the, the Haney soil test picked up 45 more units of in out there. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just a matter of cycling those. So it's looking at the microorganisms as well as the, the action. So it's a water-based test rather than a chemical test, correct? Yes, ma'am. And so it's actually looking at the, the life that's in the soil rather than just the mineral that's in the soil. And the nutrients that are in the soil. Is that a correct? Okay, great. And so is that a starting point? So when you're helping somebody to transition, is the Haney test your first go-to? Not typically. Not typically. Well, again, it depends on where this grower is at. Some of these success stories, if they've got really high organic matter ground for this part of the world and they're growing... uh, corn milo, something in the summer that likes nitrogen, then it's a good starting point for other folks. If, if they're more of a, a wheat type rotation or um, maybe not ready to start cutting back on fertilizer just yet, probably going to try implementing some kind of cover uh, and just like I say, important part of what I do is finding spots in the operation to get started where they're comfortable with. And, and Dr. Haney, Rick Haney says, uh, don't cut back anymore. Don't cut, cut back so much that you can't sleep at night. But the, the recommendations I've received have always been, uh, I dipped my toes in to start with too. And the next year went whole hog and, and I still haven't been disappointed. So context. It's all about context. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, before we got started here this morning, Jake, you were sharing a great story of why a lot of these conventional guys have rang your phone. Um, You guys have quite the mare's tail pigweed issue in your area. Talk about that and how regenerative agriculture has been able to help a lot of the guys overcome that um, when Roundup and other herbicides couldn't. Seems like a long time ago when pigweeds weren't our main issue, but uh, right. when I first jumped on the agronomy scene back in 2012, I believe it was, 
um, mare's tail was the first roundup or glyphosate resistant weed out in this part of the world. And it was a mess for a year or two, but mare's tail hates being crowded and rye with its allelopathic effects. I mean, that, that took care of our issue. It two years, three years down the road, those that were using rye covers in the wintertime didn't have mare's tail problems anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were able to see not only it, it killed the, the rye, so it, it outcompeted it essentially. Um, so it, it suppressed the rye or excuse me, it, it suppressed the mare's tail, the rye did. Um, and then you also had a cover to roll down into. And so they were getting the benefit of, of soil infiltration, armor on the soil, you know, weed suppression. So, I mean, how do you go wrong doing that? <laughs> And, and what does right. it cost to, what's it cost to plant an acre of rye, Jake? Not to put you on the spot Isn't here early on a Friday morning. <laughs> no, that's, that's fine. That's fine. It's about time for second breakfast. It's not early. Uh, it depends on the growers. Uh, I've heard folks tell me they can get it done for eight to $10 an acre. They got some Avenue. They got seed very cheap. I've had some folks tell me 18 to 20. Okay. So, yeah. So it, it just matters where you're getting your seed, right? Yep. Yeah. And I expect you're helping with that as well. Where I can, where I can, a lot of, a lot of folks have relationships with uh, certain dealers or certain growers and, mm-hmm. and I'll help facilitate those if need be, but if they have a relationship with somebody and they're doing a good job, then. Well, great. That's fine well, by me. Jake, you know, as we look at wrapping up here this morning, any final thoughts to share? I, I know that you're just a wealth of knowledge on all of this information. Anything that you want uh, listeners to take away from our conversation here this morning? Well, I, I just encourage you to try new things. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to your neighbors, your friends, uh, build some kind of community, let folks know what you're doing, share information with each other. I mean, one of the things I love most about Regen is, is everyone involved seems to be very supportive and very caring individuals. Um, so if I would encourage you to, to be about those kind of things, I suppose. Yeah. Not yeah, to get and all I think, philosophical on you. No, and I think that I would certainly, you know, share that same viewpoint. And when Travis CB joined us here a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was telling you, Jake, that Kansas is starting a mentor program, you know, for guys that have had great success, operations that have had great success with regenerative agriculture, helping other folks get started as well. So across the board, it's it's just a great community to learn from. So, well, thanks for joining us. We certainly appreciate it. And we hope that you enjoy your weekend, Jake. I appreciate you all having me on. Absolutely. Brian, I think we're ready to hand things back to you this morning. Thanks for joining us for AGI SureTrack Coffee Talk. Connect with us on the web at agisuretrackcommunity.com.